genre. To the Doctor's Companion presents Doctor Who: The Long Way Round, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one Doctor at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Nick Jimenez, and I'm Scott Corelli. And today on the show, we'll be discussing Pyramids of Mars, the Fourth Doctor's eighth story. First thing that everyone should know about this story is that. It is written by Stephen Harris, who is a person who does not exist. Mm -hmm. Not a real person. It is a pseudonym. Basically, what happened was that Robert Holmes, who was the script editor at this time, was determined to find new writers, fresh blood on Doctor Who, because they've been sort of rolling around with the same writers, you know, off and on since the start of the show. And so he was very determined to get some fresh blood. So determined, in fact that he went to a man named Louis Griefer, a former colleague of his at ATV. Griefer had an interest in Egyptian mythology, and so Holmes suggested that he develop a scenario which would combine science fiction with the trappings of mummy horror films, such as, you know, 1932's Universal Picture of the Mummy, and of course the 1959 Hammer Films production of the same name. Griefer agreed and submitted a prospective storyline around the start of July 1974. So I'm going to go into what his version of this story was, because this was also, you know, they, they would change a few things from this, but um, this was pretty close to what he ended up turning in. So this is, the, this is what, what the, the plot of his mummy-esque Doctor Who story would be. The doctor and his companion, referred to as Jane in the outline, attended a conference on food reserves at the British Museum along with Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart of the United Nations Intelligence Task Force. It was suggested in the outline that the brigadier would be killed off early in the adventure. Whoa! The doctor's friend, Professor Fozzie, and his partner, Dr. Robertson, Fozzie, were there to unveil their work on a new type of grain which could flourish on the surface of the moon, thereby solving the world's hunger problems. Because, of course, logically, that makes the most sense. <laughs> However, the conference was soon attacked by the crocodile-like Egyptian god Sebek and his army of mummies. Sebek and his master Seth were aliens who came to Earth millennia ago intent on conquest, but were placed in suspended animation via a powerful artifact called the Eye, wielded by Horus, another of their kind. Having reawakened, Seth and Sebek now intended to replace Fozzie and Robertson's grain with a type which would result in the moon's disintegration, which in turn would have catastrophic effects on Earth. So sure. the doctor manages to locate Seth's resting place beneath an Egyptian pyramid and was assisted by Horus and another deity, Isis, in defeating Seth and destroying the probe, which carried the grain in mid-flight. So, um... That's wild. That is wild. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, so this Lewis Griefer guy wrote a story that, like, I, I don't even know... I don't even know what to call what I just read. Ambitious. I, mean, I call it ambitious. Ambitious? Mm -hmm. Okay. I would say a mess, like a <laughs> like a disaster. <laughs> uh, I I none of that makes any sense. It's so convoluted um, and baffling, and uh, seems seems to suggest that this guy um, maybe not uh, maybe maybe writing isn't his like main forte. Um, I like the inclusion of Sebek, the crocodile god. Yeah, that, that, that would have looked rude. Sebek, Sabek, Sabek, Sobek, Sobek. Okay, Sobek. All right, that look that would have looked really cool in nineteen. Right, just like a paper mache crocodile mask. Absolutely. Yeah. So he obviously Robert Holmes had some misgivings on Griefer's understanding of Doctor Who's format 
Um, but met with the author shortly after getting this outline and they fleshed out the ideas for what, what would now be called the pyramids of Mars. He suggested that the would be gods should actually be from Mars, having fled the planet after it was devastated by an intergalactic war. Um, Holmes disliked the notion of the special grain and instead recommended that the earth project involve the transformation of Mars's surface into a habitable environment. Habitable. Uh, Seth uh, would attempt to hijack the mission, his goal being to fire a rocket at the Great Pyramid of Mars, where his jailers still slept in suspended animation. Holmes also encouraged Griefer to establish scientific explanations for some of the supernatural phenomenon he described. And then uh, Hinchcliffe thought that the Egyptian gods might actually originate from different planets outside our solar system, explaining why their physical forms vary greatly. Um, like, you know, how some are like, I don't know, some are crocodiles and others are other things. Others they're all like just different aliens. Yeah. yeah. So they're all just different aliens and they're like, they're like fellow, a fellowship of aliens. <laughs> you shall be the fellowship of the aliens. Yeah. Fellowship of Mars. Okay, um, even better. Actually, that would be a great title for a Doctor Who episode, The Fellowship of Mars. That's good. Scott, write that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, after all of these changes, Holmes uh, formally commissioned Griefer to write Pyramids of Mars um, on July 8th. Uh, And then as he started turning things in, basically things went from bad to worse. So Griefer delivers his scripts um, on September 23rd. On October 7th, Holmes cautioned him that he was straying too far away from the mummy horror movie premise. Matters deteriorated from there. First, Griefer was taken badly ill and required surgery, delaying the completion of the final three installments. Then, Holmes discovered that the finished scripts were unsuitable for production, failing to tie up key plot points and lacking a suitable emphasis on the Doctor's involvement. And then in late November, Griefer left England for Tel Aviv University in Israel, where he had previously committed to a teaching position. So basically, he wrote four bad scripts and then bailed. Um, <laughs> oh my God. At this point, in March of 75, now we are, we are now, when he first approached him, this was spring of 74. So it's been basically a full year since he first approached this guy mm-hmm. to write this story. Um, and now in March of 75, Holmes informed Griefer's agent that his client's scripts would be abandoned. And with production looming, Holmes was forced to rewrite the adventure from scratch. So Robert Holmes wrote this story from scratch uh, using nothing from Griefer's concepts um, or plot. He moved everything to 1911. He tried to give it more of a horror feel rather than like this weird celestial feel that hit that the other story did um tried to he added the doctor into it more he added the gave more for the companion to do basically rewrote it from scratch but because the original draft of this was written by someone else bbc rules dictated that holmes could not take any credit for himself however it is because of this story that philip hinchcliffe the producer at the time went to bbc head of uh serials and was like hey this guy wrote four bad scripts yeah this guy yeah this guy wrote four bad scripts robert holmes my script editor had to rewrite all of these from scratch isn't it kind of bullshit that he's not getting getting any credit for these and he's like okay i can't change anything about that now but we will change the rule in the future so that um, a story, a, a script editor can take credit on scripts in the future um, if, uh, you know, the situation presents itself. Um, so that ruling was changed because of Pyramids of Mars. So history um, was changed. Yeah. So Lewis G- Griefer uh, read the scripts that Robert Holmes rewrote, um, basically hated them and wanted his name taken off of them. Uh, and as a result, the fictional character of Stephen Harris was born <laughs> um, because Robert Holmes couldn't take credit for the scripts that he wrote from page one and Lewis Griefer did not want credit. And so Stephen Harris uh, was uh, the, the fictional writer. Stephen Harris took credit instead. Um, so that's the biggest thing with Pyramids of Mars. Um, everything else is just like kind of super minor stuff. Uh, they moved episodes around um there was a uh a a bit with um the uh oh i'm sorry i'm sorry 
going back to the credits thing about um, Hinchcliffe's request for uh, Robert Holmes on behalf of Robert Holmes. So the rule was that they could not be credited. And because they could not be credited, they could not be paid for their rewrites. Um, And so what he changed was like, okay, fine. They don't get a credit, but like, please let me pay him (laughs) um, for, for these scripts. And so that was the change. That was the thing that was changed. So as a result of pyramids of Mars, script editors could be paid script writing fees but they could not receive credit for those scripts. Um, and so this, that's, that's, what, uh, that's what the rule change happened with the uh, head of serials and the BBC. So um, thankfully, Robert Holmes did get uh, paid for writing these stories, even if he isn't credited. But in a way, isn't he credited? Because we all know that he wrote this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty famously known that this is a Robert Holmes story. Um, and that it, no one else wrote these, um, despite, uh, that other guy, uh, giving it his best shot, I guess, question mark. <laughs> um, so yeah, the only other thing about pyramids of Mars is that they, uh, they moved it around. It was supposed to be, um, first of the season and actually feature, um, Harry leaving, uh, instead of in terror of the Zygons. Um, but, uh, because again, it was supposed to take place modern day, not in 1911. It was supposed to feature a unit. Um, and so a lot of, here. yeah, a lot of that stuff was moved to terror of the Zygons, uh, minus the death of the Brigadier. Um, and, uh, Harry left in death of the Zygons instead. And then pyramids of Mars was brought to the second story. And then they were like, well, we don't want to have two earthbound stories in a row. So they moved it to third so that a non earthbound story could be set between zygons and uh pyramids of mars and uh that's how the structure went um that's it that's that's i mean you know the writing thing is the biggest behind the scenes story point of this um there's a couple of other things but i want to get to them as they happen in the story because they're more directly related to the plot of pyramids of mars and so i want to talk about that a little bit but uh i'll wait until those moments happen um in the story themselves but uh that's pyramids of mars Pyramids of Mars Part 1, written by Stephen Harris, directed by Patty Russell, produced by Philip Hinchcliffe, script edited by Robert Holmes. Air date, October 25th, 1975. In 1911 Egypt, archaeology professor Marcus Scarman excavates a pyramid and finds the door to a burial chamber that is inscribed with the Eye of Horus. His assistants flee as he enters the chamber alone and is hit by a beam of green light. The fourth doctor, intending to land at unit headquarters, instead ends up in the sealed wing of an English estate after the TARDIS is forced out of the time vortex and Sarah Jane sees a mysterious apparition in the console room. They are discovered by the butler, who tells them they are in the Scarman estate and that the house has been taken over by an Egyptian named Ibrahim Namin, who claims to represent Professor Scarman. Scarman's friend, Dr. Warlock, has also arrived to demand an explanation from Namin on Scarman's whereabouts. The Egyptian pulls a gun on Dr. Warlock, and the doctor and Sarah Jane manage to prevent his murder, though Warlock is wounded. The three escape the estate, but Namin and a robot dressed like an Egyptian mummy follow after them. After hiding in the woods from the mummies, the three find a hunting lodge used by Scarman's brother Lawrence whose Marconoscope intercepted a signal from Mars. The doctor decodes the signal as, Beware Sutek. Sutek is the last of a powerful alien race called the Osirens, and his imprisonment by his brother Horus was the apparent inspiration for ancient Egyptian mythology. The doctor decides to go back to the estate in order to stop whatever Sutek is planning. In the house, Namin and the mummy robots greet the arrival of Sutek's servant, who travels through a space-time portal disguised as a sarcophagus. Sutek's servant kills Namin and says just before the episode ends, I bring Sutek's gift of death to all human life. Um, so I like all of the, like, ambiance, like, that sets up this story that happens in part one, um, with the spooky house, Mm -hmm. um, the, like, Egyptian, quote-unquote, um, guy that's just playing the organ that's like Mm -hmm. i don't know i like that he's Um, apparently palestinian so not like total brown face but like 
Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, g- 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 uh, in the ballpark for 1970s <laughs> casting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, 1970s casting, usually not anywhere near the ballpark. Um, right. Usually it's just Caucasians for all. Right. Um, <laughs> so at least that's something. I don't that's, know. Well, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah, ca- ca- yeah. Cass, him like playing the organ while the mummies are rolling out was like, dude, a big, yes, <laughs> big mood. Hell yeah! <laughs> it was honestly some of the most gothic horror stuff in this particular story because I would say if I have any any downside to the story for me, it's that it mostly takes place during the day, um, and I wish it didn't because I think it would add so much more ambient ambiance if it was during it was at night. At night, yeah, yeah. The daytime setting kind of robs it of a little bit of that gothic horror, I think. I don't know. I think it would be difficult because they they run around in the woods a lot, which I appreciate. I love Mm -hmm. the doctor running around in the woods for some reason. Um, But I think it would be much more difficult to shoot at night than running around in the woods. (laughs) Yeah, I remember thinking a few times that I I much preferred the doctor and the companion. I much prefer traipsing around a cool forest or woods area than like another quarry yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah like it it did at some point stop feeling like a cool gothic almost hammer horror story starring the doctor and it just became like a doctor who story with mummies yeah that's true which isn't a bad thing oh boy does it have mummies for sure (laughs) for sure not a bad thing (laughs) um Sarah Jane finds a, a, a dress previously owned by Victoria. Yeah, on the TARDIS, and uh, and Nick understood that reference. Captain mm-hmm. America dot gif. Um, <laughs> and I understood the Doctor uh, not being amused. <laughs> yeah, by Sarah, like, look what I found—the stupid dress. He's being such a drama queen at the beginning of this yeah, story, he is. where for some reason he's just like. Like disassociating, where he's like, "I'm 750 years old. I've I've lived so long. I I I am so powerful. Like he just, <laughs> I've killed so many people. He just, he's just so extra at the beginning of this. I thought a lot of the because we just recently watched Tomb of the Cybermen. A lot of the um, parallels in this one were interesting. Like yeah. the mention of Victoria. Like we get another age drop of how old he is. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's the first time he's said where Gallifrey is, um, but we get like the constellation of Kisterberis or whatever. Not in this part, right. but um, yeah, I don't know. It was very ten. It was very tenet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was just like brooding, like, you don't get me. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen things. Sarah Jane. You You want to like, you, you almost want to like. Like I I I, I want to see how many Doctor Who fan videos use the the ten music the like ah like that music <laughs> the little operatic like when things are getting drama um in in the ten era how many fan videos use that music over this clip of him being like I'm seven hundred and fifty years old <laughs> I've seen things Sarah like I want to know how many fan vids have done that because yeah, I bet I can, it's more than twelve I can <laughs> I can see the like super cut. Of, yeah, like you know, like this is the doctor with like the Murray Gold score. Yeah, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Uh-oh. absolutely. Um, Fan vids. Uh, so we, so one fun thing that they do in this story that I think is super fun, playing with time travel, um, is that the whole story takes place in Unit HQ prior to Unit. Mm-hmm existing headquartering there um buying buying the building or the 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 land or whatever so it's Mm -hmm. the same land the same like mansion thing place i don't know what you call compound that 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 unit is uh set in um but they're uh they're they're there in 1911 way prior to unit um being founded and uh and so it all takes place in unit headquarters but in a different time period and i think Mm -hmm. that's really fun Love, I love when Classic Who plays with time travel in fun ways because it doesn't happen as often as you'd want it to. <laughs> I think Robert Holmes in particular is really good about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's definitely one of the best top tier classic Doctor Who writers for sure. Yeah, it's interesting when you think about the idea of using it beyond just rudimentary back and forward, but using it as like a plot, as a tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, is this the original story that made Fezes cool? Are they cool though? Because he dies. Like <laughs> he just he dies kind of cool. Yeah, I guess. he dies kind of cool. But he accomplishes mission. He does. <laughs> he does get he gets what he wanted, and then he changes. Yeah, um, you know, into dust. Full, no, wait, no, full character arc. Yeah, full character. Yeah. Arc. <laughs> uh, that guy, the 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 herald or the servant. Really cool costume. Mm-hmm. Mm. I really dug it. Yeah, it is good. Um, the doctor makes a racist relatives joke about uh, the sarcophagi. Uh, yeah, somebody somebody is like, "Hey, what are you doing here?" And he's like, uh, "Oh, we just snuck in through a window." And <laughs> and they'll and the guy is like, "Well, you must be here with that uh, that doctor guy, right?" And he's like, "Uh, are we?" <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I bet you are. You know, he's Egyptian. And he's like, oh, are all of these his relatives? Like talking about the sarcophagus. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's more racist than I'm used to coming out of the doctor's mouth. <laughs> Big uh, dad, like <laughs> dad be quiet joke. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's like a it's like a, a racist dad joke. So like dad where joke. it's like it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but like, not all dad jokes are racist, no, but all, all, all. <laughs> Hashtag not all. Dad all racist jokes. jokes are dad jokes. <laughs> Hashtag not all dad jokes. Um, it's like it's like how uh, all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. That's fair. Um, That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, so they she he's like you better go out the way you you came. And he's like all right, and then they go back out the window, which is fun. It's conveniently um, open. Yeah, and then I love I love uh, uh, four and Sarah Jane walking. Cr- he like crouch walks. He does like this weird like like it, it, it's like kind of like that Russian dance that you see that like you know like that like Buddy the Elf does when he gets drunk on maple syrup and <laughs> like uh, kick kind of dance. Elf. Yeah, it's kind of like that, but he's like he's like walking like crouch mm-hmm. walking, um, and it is. It's it's something else. Is he a tall gentleman? Tom yeah. Baker? So I found out yeah. last night that Tom Baker is six foot three. Yeah. There's a mention uh, at, at one point. I don't know what episode it is, but like he's unconscious, and Sarah Jane's like, "He's heavy. Help me." And yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is he tall? Mm-hmm. He definitely is. Um. Uh. Is he the tallest doctor? Uh, maybe Him he and might Pertwee be. Actually, are tied. For our tallest doctor at both six. Oh, is that three. right? Yeah. He's as tall as per- Pertwee. Yeah. Is that tall? Yeah. So, like, the idea that of him is... karate chopping people is now like exponentially more terrifying. <laughs> that is that is bonkers. That would freak me out if mm-hmm. I met Pertwee and I was like looking up at him. Hello, Scott. That would freak me out. <laughs> oh wow, that is so weird. Because he's not built yeah. like a tall guy, right? Jeez. But, yeah. The way, like you know, like Stephen Merchant. Is that like... is. That is menacing. <laughs> um, things that, speaking of things that are menacing, Nick, you got a real kick out of four using his scarf as a weapon. That was great. Attack scarf. Yeah. yeah. Can you describe what happens in that moment? He like tries to like take out a guard, like a piano wire, but it's a scarf. <laughs> and it doesn't work because I don't think it really incapacitates him very. He does get confused. He's very confused. <laughs> It's also just like it gets bigger every time I see it. The scarf, yeah. He, uh, I think it's longer. He, well, yeah, because I think the the lady who made it like just kept adding to it. Great, like between episodes, like Joseph's amazing Technicolor dream. Yeah, she would just keep adding to it. I think. I think it's um, all one length in this era, and then post um, Hinchcliffe, uh, like in season his like fourth, fifth, and sixth and seventh season. It's like. A different, longer scarf. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, to I'm me, definitely... this is like prime scarf, but it's yeah. still very long. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm into the idea of him using it the way like Rapunzel uses her hair. And yeah. <laughs> he does. Great. He definitely swings from more than one thing on his with his scarf, yes. using his scarf. Awesome. Yes. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's the moment where uh, Fez guy loses his Fez because that's who he attacks with the scarf. Mm-hmm. And it knocks the Fez off his head and then it never recovers. He just becomes guy. Yeah, he just comes guy with curly hair. <laughs> and then he becomes um, dead. Then yeah, and then dead. he becomes dead. <laughs> uh, so I really like the black sarcophagus, that main black sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, I want to 
uh, I want to really, really talk about these mummies because they are jacked. These mummies, I like. There's no other way to describe these yeah. mummies other than jacked. Cass, I liken I liken them to the uh, the stone giant robot in Castle in the Clouds, Castle in the Sky. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't seen that. Okay, top yeah. heavy listener. Mm. Yeah, yeah, broad shouldered. Um, right. It's uh, it is it is what um, it's they are the same thing that Robert Downey Jr. called Chris Evans on the set of Avengers, which is. Dorito shaped. Yes, they are um, very Dorito shaped. They are Dorito shaped. Uh, very broad shoulders, very narrow waist, massive pecs. Um, <laughs> very interesting to see walking around the English countryside. Yeah, every time, whenever they're walking around, I just imagine them just because there's like three of them, and so like whenever they're walking around, I just imagine them like internally all going hop 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 hop. <laughs> and they're like paper mache kind of so they very much have like like the mr kite's circus thing from like uh across the universe just like these weird paper mache <laughs> things just running around the country yeah yeah um i kept referring to them as meathead mummies in my uh yeah <laughs> in my notes jock mummies for yeah sure. jock mummies yeah there's a there's a moment in this too where uh where Fez dude is playing the organ and they're like dancing choreography to it's the organ music. So great. Good. It's incredible. <laughs> um, and their choreography calls out the true, the, the true villain of this. Well, so we have a, we have, we have three tier tiers of villain, the father, the son, and the Holy. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, so, so we start off with the sun. Listener, that becomes another joke in a few episodes. <laughs> yeah. That becomes so we start off with the sun, I think, right? Um the kind of herald, the servant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with the Fez. And then the the father, he he brings the father out of the, the sarcophagus portal. <laughs> and he the the father fries the son, um, which is how this episode ends. Yeah. He like smokes him. Yeah, and Sarah Jane and the Oh, um, is this Doctor Warlock? Because it, it, the Doctor, Sarah, and a third person see this happening. But was that Doctor Warlock or was that the other guy? I don't remember because a lot of the white dudes look the same. They all this. look the same. They're all dressed the same. Um, the same. Yeah, I think it's it's the the brother. The brother. Okay. Um, brother. Okay. Lawrence. Lawrence. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. Warlock got shot already, and so yeah. he's he's just chilling on a couch. I think wearing a really fancy sling. <laughs> He doesn't do much. Wow. Well, he has a cool name though. Yeah. <laughs> His name is Dr. Warlock. So uh <laughs> so R.I.P. Fezhead. Um, you will be missed. And uh and then we move on to episode two. Mm-hmm. Pyramids of Mars Part Two, written by Stephen Harris, directed by Patty Russell, produced by Philip Hinchcliffe, script edited by Robert Holmes, air date November first, nineteen seventy five. The servant of Sutek is revealed to be the body of Professor Scarman, puppeted by Sutek's will. Scarman and the mummy robots secure the estate's perimeter with a force field and start hunting down the humans still inside the barrier. Scarman finds and kills Dr. Warlock, but is ordered by Sutek to start the construction of an Osirian war missile aimed at Mars. Meanwhile, the doctor disrupts the space-time tunnel using the TARDIS key and takes Namin's ring from his corpse. After Sarah Jane suggests that they should just leave in the TARDIS, the Doctor takes her and Lawrence to 1980, only to find that the Earth is now a barren wasteland devoid of life. They have no choice. They need to return to 1911 and stop Sutek. Once they get back to 1911, the Doctor makes a jamming unit with Namin's ring to break Sutek's hold over Scarman and the robots. Lawrence tries to stop the Doctor from activating the device, since he believes doing so will kill his brother. A pair of the mummy robots kill a local poacher outside before attacking the hunting lodge. Um. So the the what are we calling him? The father? Like this this alien? The father? The, yes. The well, because it's out. weird. He says that he's like the servant, and mm-hmm. then he like possesses people. But then for the rest of the story, he just kind of refers to himself as the god. Right. Sudek was his name? Yeah, it's like it's like um oh, I wrote it down. Sudek? 
Sutek. Sutek. Yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, he does. He does. You're right. He does refer to himself as that. I think it's because he's like, he's like his emissary. And so he's like, as far as any of you jerks are concerned, I am Sutek. Like, like the mouth of Sauron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think that's the vibe. More the mouth of Sauron than the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, right. The but there's thing. not a third. There's not a. There's there's not a uh, yeah and uh, there's there's not an email of Sauron who precedes the <laughs> mouth of Sauron. Yeah, there's no like silver surfer for Sauron. <laughs> no, um, that's again. You just keep naming things that have two parts, and this there's three there's three tiers of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny. Um, there's no one between Silver Surfer and Galactus. It's just Silver Surfer and then Galactus. Mm-hmm. But this is like there's it's like if if Silver Surfer also had a herald. Yeah. <laughs> So this guy is going to come on a surfboard. It's going to be crazy. And then he's going to tell you about Galactus. And then he's going to tell you about another guy who's going to come that's even crazier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I really like the cult, the portal that comes out of the sarcophagus. Yeah, it's like a rainbow bridge. It's supposed to be like a time vortex, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Or like, not the time vortex, but like a time uh, vortex? Yeah. Oh. Okay. It'll come back later. Yeah. 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 Um, so when, when, uh, when, uh, the father, um, uh, the mouth of Sauron, um, as well, I guess we should probably just refer to him from now on, um, as the mar- mouth of Sauron, uh, Sauron takes, uh, takes on human form. He becomes the guy from the cold open, right? Right. He becomes the guy from the cold open, but like with pastier skin and like pink around his eyes and just goes full blown hammer horror guy, like big hammer horror energy from that guy in particular. Mm-hmm. I think their last names were like Strawman. Uh, Scarman. Scarman. Yeah. Scarman. Yes. Yeah. Because the other guy is like, that's my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Other, other. So this, this, this episode introduces a character that is like, just like, it's like a staple of Robert Holmes. Oh my God, like yes. it, it, It's the reason I love Robert Holmes is because every episode he does, he always introduces a character like this who has absolutely no bearing on the plot whatsoever. It's just like usually, a, a normal dude. Usually like a, a surf or a, or a, a, a yokel, I guess, like a yeah, county. Who just sees something crazy. <laughs> and then every once in a while, we follow him reacting to the crazy thing that he's seeing. Um, and he, in this episode, it's a hunter who catches a, 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 a meathead mummy in a bear trap. And it was like, goes to like investigate the bear trap, sees a mummy going stomp, stomp in the bear trap. And then is like, you know what? I'm just going to wait this one out. It's, it's a very like Stephen King move where they do like introduce this character and make you follow or follow them around just long enough to kind of get attached. And then they're just wantonly murdered and no one even notices or cares about it except you the viewer yeah and it's like why do you always make me do that remember the time it was a married couple yeah do it was a pertwee episode i think yeah but it was like a, a an older married couple out in the woods in a cottage that saw the yeah. alien for like oh episodes right and, yeah and that, that was um terror autons, of the right? autons yeah 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 yeah, the introduction of the master. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Good old Robert Holmes. You you can always you can always count on him to introduce that character. This will not be the only Robert Holmes story that we cover this season, right? We we got two. Nice. Um, which I'm pretty excited As about. As a treat. As a treat. <laughs> a lot of parallels this season. Yeah. We'll yeah. Get into it more. Yeah. 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 Um. So we already mentioned Victoria. Yeah. True. Um. Yeah, so Hunter guy is like running away from the from the mummy, bear trap mummy, and then runs straight into an invisible force field. Boy. And then spends like five minutes like testing it out, like investigating well, he's it. Just trying to get back to his house. Yeah. This was the moment where I thought in my head, like, at least this isn't a quarry. Mm-hmm. Like at least this is like a, a cool woods area. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um i don't think it'll be the last time we visit planet rock quarry this season no. but um but uh uh you know it is nice to get uh, a little change of pace every once in a while yeah. sure. um i watch star trek i know what's up <laughs> <laughs> um 
Let's see. Uh, we find out that the mummies are building rockets to Mars. Yeah. Because uh, they're going to go blow up a pyramid in Mars with their rockets so that they can free Galactus from his... Sec, 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 tech. Yeah, Galactus. Sertek. Yeah. Lifesaver. I like him. I like his... I don't know what would you call it, like his mask, his helmet, yeah, rather than his like creepy um, alien face, the kind his of a, dog the kind face, of, the kind yeah. of Anubis kind of head, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of the Egyptian god stuff, I just was really cool, and I remember really getting into Egyptian mythology when I was like in elementary school, mm-hmm. and just like the canon of gods was so really cool to me, and the iconography. So watching that communicated through, like. 80s or 70s Doctor Who. I mm-hmm. thought everything was really great. I, I I loved his like mask with the red anklets with like the like design and the red and the black. I thought it looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. It looked snake. really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, let's see. So my favorite moment of this episode is well, no, that's not true. The Stompy Bear Trap is my favorite <laughs> moment of this episode. But but uh, um, the mum I put in my notes, mummy go stompy. Um, but, uh, no, I, I love the, the moment where, uh, Sarah Jane is like, Hey, so we're on the TARDIS. This all seems pretty hard. So why don't we just bail? And, and he's like, we can't just bail stupid. Like we have to help. And she's like, he's like, cause if we don't, uh, Sutek is going to destroy the earth. And she, she's like, doctor, we both know that's not true. We're from 1980. Like we we know we've seen it. We know that everything is safe back in uh, good old 1980. And, uh, and he's like, Oh, Oh, you think so? Huh? Okay. And so they travel to 1980 on the same timeline that they're on currently. Mm-hmm. And then it's just absolutely de- decimated planet earth. Yeah. Stock kind of the- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is kind of the lesson that uh, the doctor learns again in like Planet 54 or which kind of communicates with the companions, which is like, yeah, like there are fixed points in time. But the adventures that we go on matter because things can happen and change. And the future that you think, you know, Mm -hmm. can be become this new horrible future. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's the thing where it's like. It's like, yes, you don't think that our adventure in the past matters because you've been in the future. But what you don't know is that because we're in the past now, we've already been in the past. So in your future, we've already saved the day in the past. Mm -hmm. And that's the adventure we're on currently. So if we don't do this, then the future that you remember doesn't ever happen. Ironically, Sarah would have done the thing that she thought couldn't (laughs) happen. (laughs) Right. Oh man! Yeah, it's brutal and effective. Mm-hmm. We could see some cool stock footage of like a decimated. I don't know. It kind of turns Earth into the moon. I guess is what it looked like. Yeah. Um. Really good. So then, uh, the hunter that's introduced in this episode, um, gets crushed between two mummy pecs. The weirdest death I've ever seen. Oh yeah. my god! Spark- it's so funny. <laughs> Scarman, the brother Scarman, runs out and he's like, "What?" And he sees like, "Yeah, the two mummy jocks just crush the gardener, <laughs> the garden's head, the gardener's head, yeah, between but, their like their pecs, right? <laughs> they just bump pecs with his head between them, and then he drops ah! dead. Yeah, yeah. And um, while I was watching it, it was just They're like, just oh, death, death by mummy boobs. Death yeah, mummy <laughs> boobs. yeah, for sure. Yeah, who was he? What was his name? We'll never know. Well, yeah." um death by chest bump <laughs> like like literally like they bump chest to kill somebody if that's not the most broy meathead move like yeah yeah very buffy it is <laughs> these these like i just imagine these mummies saying bro a lot they're bro bots yeah they're bro, bro bots <laughs> Oh, yeah. And then Sarah Jane gets uh, strangled by a mummy and is probably going to die. Um, Cliffhanger. That's the cliffhanger to episode two. Pyramids of Mars Part 3. Written by Stephen Harris. Directed by Patty Russell. Produced by Philip Hinchcliffe. Script edited by Robert Holmes. Air date November 8th, 1975. 
One of the robots is destroyed in the struggle, and Sarah Jane uses Namin's ring to send the other back to Scarman. The doctor then decides to blow up the partially assembled rocket, and Lawrence suggests using the blasting gelignite kept in the poacher's hut, because that's safe. The doctor and Sarah Jane leave to retrieve the gelignite, ordering Lawrence to unwrap the bandages from around the shell of the deactivated robot. Professor Scarman soon comes to the lodge, and Lawrence attempts to reason with him, but is killed. After the doctor and Sarah Jane return to the lodge and find Lawrence dead, the doctor disguises himself as the disabled robot to go set up the explosives before Sarah Jane detonates them with a shot from a rifle. Sutek manages to stop the explosion from happening using mental force. Out of options, the doctor uses the space-time tunnel to appear before Sutek and break his concentration, which allows the explosion to destroy the rocket. Furious, Sutek blasts the doctor with a beam of his mental force. The best part about this for me was Sarah Jane walking around in what looks like a wedding dress, carrying a rifle for most of the episode. It hell was yes. dope. <laughs> hell yes. Very ready or not. Uh, yeah. When she when she was like scoping and getting ready to like shoot and she like knew that she hit it yeah she was mm-hmm. a badass this whole episode mm-hmm. in general really good companion stuff in this episode yeah I I remember thinking throughout the episode there was so many moments where their chemistry was just so unforced mm-hmm. and so natural and their back and forth she was just so effortlessly like I've done this a million times I know what's up I know what to do mm-hmm. and yeah she was just the best yeah. Yeah. Um is she is she the closest to like a Clara we get on this show in terms of like she was with the third doctor for like a full season and then she's with the fourth doctor for two seasons, you know? Yeah. Um I think I think that's the is that the closest we get to that? Because I know we have like Adric. But, like, Adric was only in, like, a couple of episodes. Yeah, Adric and... was there for, like, three episodes. Yeah, and then only, like, five episodes after yeah. that. Like Nissa also, technically. Yeah, that's only, like, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, where she, yeah, like, she seems like a veteran in the way that by the end of 12's run, Clara was just, like, a veteran. Of right. Years. Yeah, totally. Um, really good. Uh... Yeah, I found that in this episode in particular, they have, you know, I think four is four reminds me of one of those guys who loves cracking jokes, but hates it when other people crack jokes or try to be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very moody. He's very moody in this. Yeah. So like he doesn't quite have the same energy as 10, but their their dynamic a lot of times reminded me of 10 and Donna. Mm. Just very platonic, but like also BFFs. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, no one knew how to get under the doctor's skin more than like than Sarah Jane. Yes, absolutely. The, no one knew how to just suddenly make 10 not feel cool or not look cool than Donna. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of oys uh, going on in this, but like kind of like that. Definitely a lot of oi vibes. Oi. Like, <laughs> oi. <laughs> Like offended always. Like you don't have to be rude. You don't have to be a jerk. Just because yeah. you're the doctor. Yeah. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh what's coming from both of them? Oh, like, and she uh yeah, or like when the doctor's being very callous about all the murders that are happening and yeah. like Sarah Jane kind of like like you're being like like what? Am I not acting human? Mm-hmm. Cuz I'm not human, Sarah Jane. I'm weird. Why do you think I always wear that the scarf, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Jughead Doctor. Jughead Doctor. <laughs> actually, actually, four has like comic book Jughead vibes. Oh my god! Yeah. Replace uh, cheeseburgers with jelly bellies. Yeah, jelly babies. Oh man, <laughs> jelly bellies. <laughs> Sponsored by Jelly Belly. Jughead has a sister named Jelly Bean. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, we get a look at a unwrapped mummy bot mm-hmm. in this one uh pretty cool mm-hmm. i like the frame and the super thin robot and underneath like mm-hmm. an automaton mm-hmm. um it's a really cool design actually i like it a lot mm-hmm. i think it's cool they like put the frame around it to make it look more intimidating than it actually is it's actually like a stick figure yeah that's how he is on the inside yeah 
It's really good. I like that. Um, they're kind of the like doctor the, tell. Um, oh no, the, please. They're kind of like the droids in Star Wars. The 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 yeah the, the super battle the Roger droids. Roger ones. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, they kind of are. So the doctor tells Strawman at least uh, at least four times. It's like, hey man, I know that guy looks like your brother. Your brother's dead. That's a shell. <laughs> It's not your brother. I just realized how crazy it is that his name is Strawman. It's Scarman. Scarman. <laughs> okay. I keep saying Strawman. Straw. Strawman. I mean, that's what he is. He is a Strawman. Yeah. So and so like, and at one point he like makes the mistake of being like, no, no, kill my brother, and like messes up a plan that they have, mm-hmm. which is why he has to stay behind. So then the quote brother, who's really the God's herald mm-hmm. for servant. He's like, hey, man. And he's like, don't you recognize me? You're my brother. And it was just, I don't know. It was really sad. It was frustrating. Like, <laughs> it didn't have to happen. Uh, yeah. Um, he's dead. And he kills him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a moment in this story where the doctor dresses like one of the, one of the meathead mummies. <laughs> and uh, so this was a point of contention for Tom Baker in this. Uh, because he, he, he was like, no, I am not. I refuse to appear on screen where my face is not visible. And so he would not play the mummy. The doctor wrapped up as a mummy. They had to get a stunt double. That's so a, like weird. A body double. Yeah. Um, and then he just did voice voiceover later. Uh, but very, yeah, he, he was like bored voiceover. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to show up on set just to have my face covered. What a diva. Uh, yeah, it was like a big deal. I, I honestly, I, I kind of want to, I read that in the behind the scenes stuff and I was like, well, that's a red flag of a lot of stuff that's going to come up later, guys. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he just, I, I feel like that's his first diva moment right. and it just keeps getting worse right. once this he got away with that. Episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, once he gets away with that, it's just like um, in the future, it gets, it gets rough on the old yes. Doctor Who set. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like Frazier level, yeah, maybe worse. Wow, yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty. It gets pretty rough. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, and then the doctor goes into the sarcophagus portal and uh, goes to Mars. Uh, yeah, gets gets attacked by green light eyes. <laughs> ah, I love that he hisses. And then yeah. it like it's like hiss, and then like it ends. It's like it's right yeah, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pyramids of Mars, Part Four, written by Stephen Harris, directed by Patty Russell, produced by Philip Hinchcliffe, script edited by Robert Holmes. Air date November fifteenth, nineteen seventy five. Sutek decides not to kill the Doctor outright and interrogates him instead, finding out he is a Time Lord. He locates the TARDIS and forces the Doctor to use it to transport Professor Scarman to the Pyramids of Mars in order to destroy the Eye of Horus, which keeps him imprisoned. Once on Mars, Scarman has the Doctor strangled by one of the mummy robots and proceeds inside the pyramid. The Doctor is able to recover, and now free of Sutek's influence, he and Sarah Jane follow Professor Scarman through a series of chambers with logic puzzles in each one. They are unable to stop Scarman from destroying the Eye, but the Doctor realizes that Sutek won't be released for two minutes due to the time required for the Eye's radio signal to travel from Mars to Earth. The Doctor and Sarah Jane return to the Scarman estate and use the TARDIS to extend the time-space tunnel into the far future, which results in Sutek dying of old age before reaching the end of it. As a result of this, though, the portal overloads, and the Doctor and Sarah Jane leave in the TARDIS as the house is consumed by flames. Shout out to the guy who voices Sutek because his voice is like super great. I don't know. Yeah. I'm like into it. It's kind just of like evil par- and whispery. Yeah. Yeah. The part, just the part where the Doctor is trying to explain where Gallifrey is, and he's just like, names me nothing. Like, literally tell me the coordinates. Yeah. Of, like, yeah. Oh, like this is like an ancient, ancient mm-hmm. evil. Yeah, it's really good. This is my favorite episode of the four. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is a really good story, and like yeah. I love all of it. But like this one in particular, I think is the best episode. 
um, because it's like it's so like the doctor's brainwashed for a while um, or faking being brainwashed or whatever. Um, I don't know that it's completely clear which one it is, if he snaps out of it or if he was, if he was never brainwashed. Oh, he I snaps really out tell. of it because he's just like, okay. oh, I don't need this thing anymore. So I'm just going to just boop. Okay. And then get strangled. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so, uh, Dr. and Sarah Jane, like, go into the Pyramid of Mars and, um, are, like, going to, like, each part of the tomb where like outside of each door, there's like a puzzle that they have to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just a series of like puzzles and riddles. Yeah, it's like a D&D module. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Um, and it rules. I love it. There's this moment too where they get ahead of the other team. and The other team is ahead of them and they walk into the room and then in unison turn around and yes, leave. Yes, that's so, that's the best. It's the best. I. It might be one of my absolute favorite like tiny moments in all of classic who um it's just so good and it's very them yeah it's very and it's very ten and donna yeah like it has that vibe Mm -hmm. yeah big ten donna energy for sure um i want to say early on in this episode uh the doctor is can can i get the god's name one more time sutek sutek is like i'm glad you're doing these recaps cast (laughs) (laughs) every the doctor's like, every culture, I know, every culture that's civilized hates you, Sutek. They go by many names, like Satan. And I was like, oh, this is not the last time he's going to meet up with Satan this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> point that out. The devil. The devil. The devil. <laughs> um, we do a version of the, uh, uh, this one tells only truths. This one tells only lies. You may ask one question. Uh-huh. <laughs> we do a version of that riddle. Which what do you guys fun. think of first? I think of Labyrinth. Hmm. I don't even know what I think of first. Cause I just, I guess I just know that story. Yeah. It's super mm. tropey, right? Yeah. I wonder if it originated in Egyptian mythology. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not we'll sure. Later. Yeah. I don't know where that comes from. Um, I'm sure someone knows. I'm sure the internet knows. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we could find it. Uh, but yeah, really, really fun uh, solution to that problem, too. I was just like, and the doctor didn't even have to he, think about he it. He clears it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he like clears it fast. He doesn't have to really even like F-O-H. think. Yeah. He's just like, mm, oh, okay. So which one is your buddy going to tell me to push? Mm-hmm. Okay, so then that means that has to be the lie. All right. And then it goes and pushes the other one. It's pretty great. It's good. It's good logical solution. Good uh good Doctor, Doctor Huin. Yeah, good Doctor Huin. <laughs> top 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 notch Doctor Huin. Um let's see. Uh the the Silver Surfer Mouth of Sauron guy mm-hmm. uh is like, "Hey, he's free." Oh no, I'm turning to ashes and then the ashes are gone too. <laughs> like it's it's crazy he's like free free and then turns into ashes and then the ashes disappear so many people die in robert holmes stories why do we like them so yeah. much <laughs> well the uh cast the ancient egyptians believe that death was only the beginning i mean yeah <laughs> but like <laughs> i know that because because that's a quote from the mummy on the mummy <laughs> roller coaster <laughs> he says death is only the beginning and then your roller coaster takes off <laughs> Uh yeah. Um the second part of death is a roller coaster, as it turns out. <laughs> that happens after everyone dies. They have to but that ride this. blows. What? That roller coaster sucks. No, that roller coaster rules. What are you talking the about? The one in LA or the one in Florida? Oh no, the one in Florida. Oh, I don't see, care about the one. The one in, in LA, LA sucks. <laughs> yeah, the the one in LA, I don't it's not even it's, it's truncated from my understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 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 truncated and it's not meta. It's not about the making of the mummy. Oh, movies. none of the Brendan Fraser stuff is in the LA one? No. None of it. You're just in a legitimate like temple. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's oh, a shame. It's you guys like discount Indiana Jones. It sucks. Yeah, no, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Wrong um, podcast. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> theme park this. Listen to theme park this. Listen to our retheme this episode of Revenge of the Mummy, available now to Patreon subscribers. Scott rethemes it as a Pyramids of Mars theme park. <laughs> I, 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 if I had thought of it, I would have. Um, but no, I think I did Cabin in the Woods instead. Oh, um, 
Nice. Um, this episode ends very abruptly. It does. Everything everything gets set on fire. Like Ready or Not, it ends with a mansion on fire. That's true. That is true. Not super spoilers, Ready or Not. And also, most of the people are dead. Yeah, everyone's sure, dead. That's more of a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. I like that. I like that everything. They're like, they're like, well, we can't move out all of this stuff. We'll just burn it all down to make room for unit. <laughs> Uh, yeah um but this is great i don't know what do you guys think of this 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 story nick what do you think about i couldn't tell if it was the going from six episode to four episodes or like scott said the fourth one being kind of like the most entertaining and the most dramatic but yeah like this was a lot of fun and it it got better i loved sarah jane and elizabeth sladen and the doctor and, and sarah jane's chemistry and I thought so many of the designs of the creatures and the robots and the villains were really cool. And like Cass said, yeah, like a, r- a really cool villain in the final episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was um, I was really looking forward to watching this one again because it's been like eight or nine years or something since I've seen it. Um, I made Norman watch it with me. Um, he fell asleep mm-hmm. halfway through, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he saw the hey, he saw you, the good parts. You- <laughs> You've either got the classic who gene or you don't. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, you know, I feel like, you know, you're either going to be like into this or you're not going to be into it. And there's no like convincing yeah. you. Well, no, cause he, yeah. like, he grew up watching, um, Tom Baker stuff, like reruns on PBS. And I was like, oh, so have oh. you seen this one? And he's like, no. And I'm like, oh, this one's great. And then like, he was just sleepy. <laughs> oh. All right. Fair enough. I'm, They're cozy. Yeah. I'm glad that it, um, held up as well as I remembered it. I was worried about yeah. like hyping it up too much and then being like, oh, this one's not that great, actually. Yeah. But it's still not my favorite of this season. Um, that's still a couple seasons away. But the season being Tom Baker wise? Yeah, the Tom Baker okay. wise. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, not not TDC season, but uh Tom Baker season. Um this season of Tom Baker, there's another story that is actually my favorite Mind of this season. Of it might evil? be my favorite. Huh? Mind of Evil or no. No, that was that's third doctor. Mind of Evil? Um oh what's the what's the one with the the stuff? Brain of Morbius. Brain of Morbius. Is that your favorite yes. one? Yes. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Is it is it the, the living vampire of Morbius? No. <laughs> if only. Um no. It's uh but it rules. Um <laughs> so that one that one's my favorite. That's we're still a couple of TDC seasons away from that. I think it's the tenth episode, tenth story of uh Tom Baker's Doctor. Um, but I'm really excited about getting into that one. But I do really, really love this one. This is like a close second, I think, mm-hmm. of this in this season. Um, it's really good. Uh, just in general, this this era yeah. is just so not fun to revisit because even the not so great ones are still like pretty watchable. Yeah, and for my money, judging this against what we just watched with the the Pertwee era, this to me is much more like kind of what I get out of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. which is like mood and him running around and solving problems as mm-hmm. opposed to like like multiple gunfights yeah <laughs> yeah although i would have killed to see pertway karate chop some of those the mummies meathead yes. mummies. yeah 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 true <laughs> pretty great <laughs> six foot three yeah chops. hell yeah oh man um all right well i guess uh is that all we got here uh, yeah, this week next? I think so. Um, next week is Arc of Infinity. Fifth Doctor. Is that Arc six of parter? Is that the, no. Is that the one the Brigadier's in? Or no? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think we're I don't think we're at that trilogy of stories yet. Okay. Is it related to Arc in Space? I think this is No, I don't think so. This is, I think, Omega. Yeah. I think. Hey. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's our old friend Omega. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, that is coming next week. Uh, check out our Patreon page, duelinggenre.com slash support. We do have a patron goal. Uh, hundred patrons is what we're trying to reach. And when we do, we will introduce a bonus show on a dueling genre podcast. One of those bonus podcasts that will be up to a vote for our patrons will be a TDC spinoff show where we focus on Doctor Who spinoffs like Torchwood, Sarah Jane Adventures, and uh, uh, K-9, um, and also <laughs> uh, some some big finish spinoffs um, oh. like um, 
you know, Diary of River Song or the War Doctor or, you know. I always wanted to get into those. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, all of those spinoffs is what we would be covering on that spinoff uh, show. So if that's something that you're interested in doing or having us do, and that would be a main feed show, not a Patreon show. So it would be open to everyone, but we'll need your help to get to the goal and then also to vote on that particular show. So all of that, all of the information on that is at duelinggenre.com slash support. You can support us for as little as $3 a month and you'll gain access to like 500 podcasts i'm not even exaggerating it's like 500 podcasts um that are on our patreon uh podcast feed um and you'll just gain access to all of them just for subscribing for three dollars a month like us talking about every episode of class that's true that's on there you can get that on there um we go crazy that feels like a million (laughs) years ago (laughs) it is you'll have to scroll back a ways but it's on there it's there it's us losing our minds over the course of like eight episodes yeah it's true (laughs) so uh so check that out once again that is duelinggenre.com slash support and we will be back next week with arc of infinity bye everybody bye bye bye